Welcome to the STEMA Report Podcast, Episode 1, the podcast where I talk about genealogy and family history news that you may have missed. It's Monday, March 4th, 2019. I'm your host, Jay Wilson. In this episode, the Latter-day Saints donate $2 million to the New Black History Museum, filmmaker Michael Moore finds his ancestors were Scottish slaves, colleges in Georgia digitizing slave records to preserve who controls dead people's DNA, and a middle school draws scrutiny for asking students to pretend they are slave owners. All right, let's get to it. I know a lot of you guys probably already heard about this because I know a lot of people out there already went to Roots Tech last week, but if you didn't hear, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints announced that they donated $2 million to the new International African American Museum to support the creation of the Museum Center for Family History. Elder David A. Bednar, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Disciples, presented the donation to the museum's president and CEO during Roots Tech. We want to support the museum and the Center for Family History because we both value the strength that comes from learning about our families, Bednar said in a news release. The museum will not only educate its patrons on the important contributions of Africans who came through Charleston, it will also help all who visit to discover and connect with ancestors whose stories previously may not have been known. The museum is scheduled to open its doors in 2020. Once available to the public, it aims to highlight the history, sacrifices, and contributions of Americans of African descent. One of the crown jewels of the experience at the museum would be the Center for Family History. Because of this generous donation from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the center will catapult into a level of excellence that simply would not be achievable. Joseph P. Riley, lifetime board member of the International African American Museum and former mayor of Charleston, said in a news release. The son of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King III, also spoke at the Roots Tech Wednesday and noted that the relationship between the church and the museum is a reflection of the beloved community for which his father advocated. The church is also hoping to expand its family history focus even beyond the pond with Roots Tech first ever international genealogical conference in London during late October. We say a lot of people tuning in to Roots Tech in our free live stream even throughout Europe, said Tyler Stahl, marketing manager for Roots Tech. The conference will be held October 24th through 26th at the Excel London Convention Center. What Stahl said was a good crossroads place for a European audience as well as an East Coast audience. The rich history in the British Isles doesn't hurt either, he said. We've just seen an increase in interest in family history and people wanting to know where they're from and to connect back to their roots and find that sense of belonging that comes with it, Stahl said. Event organizers hope to hope the event will draw at least 6,000 attendees. Salt Lake Roots Tech has grown from 3,000 attendees in its first year to now over 20,000. All right, on to the next one. Um, if you didn't catch this last week, it was a pretty good one. Um, documentary filmmaker Michael Moore, he was on Finding Your Roots with... Henry Louis Gates Jr., uh, the show that uh, comes on PBS. Um, Mr. Moore was stunned when he found out that his eighth great-grandfather was a Scotsman sold into slavery in Boston in 1651. 
Mr. Gates told uh, Moore that his ancestor on his father's side, John Waddles, was one of 300 Scottish slaves brought to Boston from London in 1651. Oliver Cromwell had ordered that hundreds of the Dunbar prisoners be sold as slaves. And, and it has been established that John Waddles, also known as Woodall, was aboard the vessel John and Sarah, which brought the Scots to America. They were co-signed as slaves to Thomas Kimball of Charlestown, now Charleston in South Carolina, who in turn sold Waddles to Samuel Richardson of Woburn, Massachusetts, who retained him until his death seven years later as an indentured servant. Waddles was freed when Richardson died and settled outside Boston before he was killed in a clash between colonists and Native Americans in 1676. A letter written to Cromwell by the Reverend John Cotton of Boston describing the prisoners captured at Dunbar says, The Scots have not been sold as slaves for perpetual servitude, but for six or seven or eight years. John Waddle settled in Chelmsford, then a frontier town of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, where he received 15 acres of land, where he appears on the 1671 and 1672 tax rolls. Although required to pay dues to the local Congregationalist church there, he never actively joined the congregation and adhered to his Presbyterian faith throughout the remainder of his life. In the program, Moore said he understands the reasons for the death of his Scottish ancestor. He said, it is the Indians' land and that they were being killed. I'm sorry it's past relative. I'm sorry it's a past relative, but I would say to any white person who came here back then, what made you think you could come here and take these people's land? Moore, who also has Irish ancestors, said on the program that his family history involving a Scottish slave came as a surprise because he grew up knowing only a limited part of that ancestry. Moore was visibly upset the Gates, that Gates showed him records indicating that his third great-grandparents on his mother's side were, Craig, were Quaker, Quaker in North Carolina. Now, this is a really good story. Um, you also, you know, find out that it was more than just Africans who were sold into slavery. Although I'm pretty confident the level of cruelty wasn't the same standard as it was to Africans. But this was a really good story. It's, uh, definitely, um, heartwarming in a sense that, uh, Michael Moore found out some things that he didn't know. All right, and we're on to the next one. This one's straight out of Macon, Georgia. Uh, the Bibb County Superior Court clerk, uh, who had just taken office in 2013, made a very interesting find. Um, among the hundreds of thousands of handwritten books containing property transaction records that date back to the city's 1823 establishment, Erica Woodford, made a shocking discovery between pages of documented horses, dry goods, furniture, and land lots. Here's what was printed. John Rowland, his executors and administrators in a signs are selling the following Negroes. A Negro named Anthony, a Negro woman named Mimsy, and her female child named Beck, and a Negro woman named Rose in their future issue. According to their according to the pen entry from March 6, 1830. The five human beings were said were sold for a total of $1,240.08. 
It gave me such a chilling feeling just to actually feel, touch, and see these records, which are the history of our county and our country, Woodford said. It was really mind-blowing. In some ways, Woodford said she was comforted in knowing that the nearly two-century-old records had been preserved. A lot of counties, their courthouses, were destroyed either by fire or by flood in the early 1900s or late 1800s, Woodford said. Basically, the history of that county and the history of those people in that county were destroyed with those records. Last summer, two Mercer University students began taking inventory, a job that the school paid them for, as part of its Research That Reaches Out initiative, which aims to equip students with skills needed to engage in sophisticated research. More than 600 documents detailing the sales of human beings in Bibb County had been recorded as of 2019. The process of taking inventory of the records will continue this summer with two new student researchers. In two or three years, the documents will be posted online where they can be accessed from anywhere by anyone with an inter internet connection. The Library of Congress is among institutions that have expressed interest in the project a real portrait of what life was like for black people in the 19th century. Um, that's a very, very nice heartwarming story uh, and, and definitely a treasure to find. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, Southern people out here who uh, have, it's, it, for those of you who don't know, it's extremely difficult to find African-American um, Southern African American ancestors because of the way slaves were tracked and the records weren't that someone was just poorly kept and like and like the article said only first names were used if any names were used at, at, at all and basically your sex and you know male female black that's it so you know this is definitely a good find and I definitely can't wait to see the results of this once they post it online and now it's on to the next one um this is uh this is one that is definitely uh it's not definitely new but it's it's, it's definitely um it's definitely something of a game changer i i guess you could say um dna from old envelopes and stamps that your ancestors may have left behind uh, that is going to be able to be uh, tested now and um, sequenced. So uh, this is definitely something that's uh, definitely going to have to be uh, used with caution. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, last year in November, uh, my heritage announced that. Uh, they will soon begin offering DNA testing on old stamps and envelopes. Uh, the CEO also said that he has, you know, because he's kind of a connoisseur and a collector of old uh, letters and autographs and stuff like that. So he said that he's in possession of handwritten letters from Albert Einstein and Winston Churchill. And he promised that their DNA is coming to the MyHeritage uh, database real soon. Uh, 
I know a lot of people might feel weird about this uh, as far as getting DNA from your dead relatives or ancestors. Uh, some people think this is a really good idea. Uh, Um, but of course there's always some drawbacks because, you know, you have some people that's going to try to work the system and try to, um, use it for nefarious reasons. So for those reasons, the company is offering DNA service services for envelopes and they are drawing a line in the sand. Uh, these tests are not for living people. The only reason... After all, to resort to getting a living person's DNA from a letter is if the person is not cooperating with a cheek swab or a vial of spit, in which case they are probably not consenting. Uh, to limit the possibility for abuse in this, my heritage does not plan to test items such as toothbrushes, dentures, and old clothing. Since envelopes are usually postmarked and have a sender's name written on them, it's easier to validate that the item is what the customer says it is and not some secretly obtained sample. My heritage uh, said that it plans to update its terms and services to prohibit uploading uh, DNA profiles of people that have been obtained through stamps or envelopes. But DNA from dead people, including dead celebrities like Einstein and Churchill, will be allowed. The ethics of testing a deceased person's DNA are more ambiguous. Uh, dead people usually don't have privacy rights. Dead celebrities having been public fig figures have even less of an expectation of privacy. But dead people still often have living descendants who share some portion of the per person's uh, DNA and who do have privacy rights. What if Einstein's living descendants aren't thrilled about the company uploading his DNA? just so random people online can find out if they're distantly related to a genius. You know, on the other hand, um, my heritage don't ask all of all of our living relatives and future unborn descendants for consent when ourselves mail in a DNA test, even though it affects them all. The alleged Golden State Killer, for example, was identified through third and fourth cousins who took DNA tests. Right now, any one individual has relatively little control over his or her own genetic privacy. So, this is really kind of, I don't know what to say about this. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not good with it. Um, just for the, you know, from, from the standpoint of people trying to use it for other reasons than what it's intended for you know i think it's a good idea but the execution i'm not i don't know how that's going to turn out but uh to each his own you know if you think it's a good idea you know you can send your stuff in once they announce it you know and you know we can see how it goes uh but it's definitely game changing so um you can check out more of that um, article on The Atlantic. All right, on to the next one. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys have probably heard about this one. Um, this one is definitely uh, 
this this will definitely get your blood boiling. Um, this one's from Tennessee. This is the uh, middle school teachers who gave out homework for students to imagine that their families were slave owners. Yeah, I know this is 2019 and I don't understand how people can be so insensitive, tone deaf, and ignorant. And that's the only way you can put that. Uh, this is just crazy. Uh, the assignment was given to 8th graders at Sunset Middle School in Brentwood, Tennessee last Wednesday and covered the topics of immigration, slavery, and child labor. One of the prompts read, your, your family owns slaves. Create a list of expectations for your family's slaves. A student showed the paper to, to, to her older brother and because she said it made her feel uncomfortable. The brother then showed, uh, shared it on Twitter, which quickly drew social media outrage, which rightfully so it should have. Um, the brother said, I wanted some outside opinions on the assignment to make sure I wasn't reaching out, reaching or misguided in my thoughts about the assignment. Amongst many people, the general feeling of outrage and disgust was very prevalent, and that was across multiple races. Parents of the students complained to the school on Thursday. Teachers Susan Hopper and Kim Best, who assigned the paper, responded with an email apology. This week, we gave our students an assignment we recognized was inappropriate. We have pulled the assignment and no grade would be given. Hooper and Best wrote, We have and will be apologizing to our students. It was never our intention to hurt any of our students. The assignment was insensitive, and it did not promote Sunset Middle's goals of inclusive environment. Please accept our sincere apologies. School principal Tim Brown also sent out an email apology to parents. I recognize this assignment was inappropriate, and steps are being taken to rectify the situation, Brown said. The assignment has been pulled from the 8th grade social studies classes. I know that was a mistake that was made by giving our students this assignment. The superintendent of Williamson County Schools, Mike Looney, also denounced the assignment and told parents, faculty members, that the teachers received cultural awareness training this year. Please know we are absolutely committed to ensuring all of our students feel welcome, wanted, and worthwhile, Looney wrote. Oh, whew. I don't think you can get any more ignorant than that i'm not too sure the background of these teachers but i mean it's 2019 how could you not understand that this is just racially insensitive and this assignment has no value at all it has no value because there is no way you should let a child's imagination run uh with biases about another race and how they should be treated and it is is it's 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 just asinine as far as i can tell it is it's it's just crazy uh but i'm glad that um uh, i'm glad that they took action and 
and and and are rectifying the situation. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think there's more that obviously needs to be done. You know, if a, if teachers are teaching this stuff and giving it out to children, I mean, obviously there's some work that still needs to be done. Obviously, um, you can check that out at. Um, The New York Post. And with that, um, that's the end of the program. Um, thank you for joining and listening. Um, I'll see you next week um, with more stories and news accounts. And have a blessed week. <laughs>